Enjoy the convenience of seven days a week banking and extended hours with Cube from First Arkansas Bank and Trust, member FDIC. ESPN Bracketologist Joe Lenardi. Joe, as always, we appreciate you joining us. How you doing this afternoon, man? Well, I was just fine until I heard that replay of my Eagles losing again. <laughs> the first time was bad enough, and you guys are making us suffer. Oh, oh, well, we're sorry about that, man. Well, how about this? Before we get into the basketball side of things, just I know you're obviously frustrated by the way it went last night. So was that a holding call or was it not a holding call, Joe? I don't think it really mattered <laughs> because the Eagles had done enough other things that I think put them in position to lose. And the team that deserved to win won the game, in, in, in my opinion. And it's just unfortunate because, uh, you know, Jalen Hurts was as heroic as could be, uh, and he needed to be to keep up with Pat Mahomes, who proved why he's, you know, the MVP. And uh, all, all kudos to KC. And, uh, you know, my Philly teams are, are, are getting used to coming in second, I suppose. Yeah, we uh, we were talking about that too. It's rough to be a Philly fan, but hey, at least your team's there. Because as a Jets fan over here, I I don't even know what that's like in my lifetime. So at least you at least you've had a few to look at too. But uh, we know with uh, with basketball though, it's it's getting down to the nitty gritty and, and a crazy time right now with a lot of teams moving and shaking. But we mentioned the Razorbacks. That was something to where we discussed with you last week. Things were going really good. Arkansas was getting back into the mix. They had that big win on the road against Kentucky. Nick Smith comes back. Seems like they had a lot of momentum. But losing at home to Mississippi State, a team that has gotten better, was not what Razorback fans were really hoping to see losing at Bud Walton Arena. So just what did you make of that game, and what do you make of the current situation the Razorbacks find themselves in? I suppose the best way to look at it is the week maybe went as expected at one and one, but in reverse, right? No one would have been jumping off any bridges if Arkansas had lost at Rupp Arena and then come home and beaten the Bulldogs on Saturday uh, at Bud Walton. That would have been, you know, kind of the more common and prescribed way to go about getting a split of the week. So now it goes in the books as a lost opportunity, essentially because, Arkansas could have really uh, held up its end of the bargain. After the Kentucky game, I think they moved all the way up to an eight seed uh, from you know being right on the 10-11 cut line because road wins really are that valuable. Uh, but then, conversely, home losses can be very damaging. So we split the difference, and in tomorrow's bracket, uh, when it comes out, the full update, there'll probably be a nine. With Arkansas getting a quality road win over Kentucky, then Kentucky happens to lose the next game. What kind of effect does that have on Arkansas because of net rankings? Not as much as uh, it normally would have affected the RPI back when that was the primary metric. You know, in those days, the winning percentage of your opponent was literally half of the formula. So, you know, if Kentucky goes and loses to a bottom-of-the-league team like Georgia, that is going to hurt the teams that beat them uh, more in the RPI than it does in the net. Having said that, it doesn't help 
because now Kentucky on our board is out of the field and it's one fewer victory over a team in the field for the Razorbacks. But, I mean, Kentucky is literally right on the cut line and they could go either way at this point. Now, looking at their schedule down the stretch, I'm not sure I'm super optimistic for the Wildcats at this point. But conversely, I think the schedule is fairly promising for Arkansas, uh, provided, you know, they don't stumble and lose any more home games. If if they can win their three remaining home games, uh, that gets them to nine and nine. Uh, And then I think even heading to the SEC tournament, they're safe. So, um, you know, if, if I'm a Razorback fan, I'm looking at that as, you know, the floor, the minimum of what would be required here. And then, of course, you're trying to steal one or two more. Yeah, because if you're looking at uh, Arkansas's road games, it just happens to all three of them come against the top three teams in the conference where they, uh, facing, yeah, they're facing A&M tomorrow, Wednesday night on the road and then have Bama and Tennessee back-to-back uh, games later uh, in the week, too. So it's kind of a tough thing. But I guess you can look at it, though, Joe, as you said, if you win your home games – which if, if Arkansas should at least do that, and then steal one or two on the road, I mean, that, that can be something that can maybe make up for one of these bad losses that Arkansas has had in this conference season. But, you know, you look at it realistically, A&M is playing great right now. Uh, and, and, you know, I don't think Arkansas can realistically count on winning any of those road games. Uh, A&M being the only one that's close to 50-50, Right, they're going to be sizable underdogs at Tennessee and certainly at Alabama. So that makes these next three at home super important. And what they close with Kentucky is that right? That's right. So and and then you're asking to beat them twice. Uh, That's what Saturday cost Arkansas was was kind of a margin of error uh, and some breathing room down the stretch. Uh, hopefully Nick, you know, gets acclimated a little more quickly now. He's got a game back and stay in the lineup. Uh, but it's hard, you know, because, you know, we're waiting for Godot. And, and then, you know, does everyone else have to adjust? And does that make the team better or worse to have a guy as talented as he is with whom, you know, they didn't have when they posted most of their really good wins? Tennessee is a team that's safely in the bracket but had a couple of back-to-back losses at the buzzer against Vandy and Tennessee. So how is that evaluated when you have those close losses that could have gone either way, but Tennessee happens to drop both? Yeah, the word close does come into play a little bit, but not as much as the word loss. And, you know, here Tennessee a week ago was number two in the polls and some would argue a number one seed, and, and here they lose a pair of buzzer beaters, uh, you know, in, in games in which they were solid favorites uh, at Vandy and home against Missouri. So, you know, they go from a borderline one to a three seed on our board at the moment. And while in no danger of missing the field, uh, you know, they're going to take it out on – Somebody soon, I suspect. Speaking with Joe Lenardi of ESPN.com here on the Jones and Sun Diamond and Bridal Fine Jewelry Hotline. 
another team in the SEC getting a big win has been Alabama, and I'm just going to have to stop doubting them. I keep thinking that, okay, they're going to slip up one time. Maybe it's the road game against Auburn in that uh, in that big game that I know that Auburn fans were excited about, but they took care of business. They're now the AP number one team. Uh, I mean, what, what, what more can you say out of them? Because it seems like they are the best team in college basketball right now, especially going on the road in tough environments and getting wins like that. And that was the story of the weekend, really, in the SEC was winning on the road. Uh, unusually so. You know, Alabama won on the road. Obviously, we talked Mississippi State winning at your place. Uh, Missouri went on the road and won at uh, uh, Tennessee. Uh, A&M blasted LSU. Now, LSU obviously rebuilding, but still road game. Not an easy place to play. The only team that really didn't uphold its uh, or uphold that storyline on the road was was UK, uh, Kentucky losing or, or losing at Georgia, and you could have argued that they were the team most likely to win on the road in the SEC on Saturday. And and we may have talked about this last time. Here's what I think about Alabama: nobody wins the national championship, or for that matter, a lot of times even reaches the Final Four without surviving. You know. A, a, a game that comes down to the wire, right? There, there just aren't many wire-to-wire six-game champions, right? And, you know, to my way of thinking, when it's a one- or two-possession game, if I have the best player in the game on my team, I'm the favorite. And there aren't many games that they can play in which they're not going to have the best player in the freshman. Brandon Miller, who's been sensational, and uh, the lights have never seemed to get too bright for him in his first year. And, you know, I wouldn't think they would now. He's experienced pretty much every situation. They were in in Maui. They won at Houston. Uh, No easy task. You talk about winning the rivalry game on Saturday. Uh, They did lose to Gonzaga uh, in in Birmingham, and, and, of course, they did lay the one egg at Oklahoma, but, uh, you know, they're definitely on the short list of national title contenders. And let's not forget that the number one overall seed, and if they are to become that team, gets to choose its opening weekend site and its regional site and I think it's fair to say that the Crimson Tide will probably choose Birmingham, right? <laughs> and and then be in the South up in uh, Louisville. So, you know, if, if you're trying to map out a course that would be, you know, the best possible scenario for a Final Four trip, uh, they are now in that conversation if they can hold serve the rest of the way. Which team or teams in college basketball were affected most by last week's results? Tennessee, certainly. uh, Dropping from a possible one to a three. Kentucky, out of the field. Uh, USC goes on the road to the Oregon schools and loses both. Both games late Thursday and Saturday, so didn't get a lot of attention, but they dropped out of the field. Uh, Mississippi State moved into the field. Uh, for the first time, so, so that's a big jump for the Bulldogs. Uh, the Razorbacks probably don't want to be 
the ones responsible for that, but I'm sure they're happy in the league office getting a seventh team into the bracket uh, and and making up for for Kentucky having fallen out. Uh, so, so I think a lot of talk in these last three weeks of the regular season, and then of course conference tournament week, championship week, on you know can Kentucky get back in because you know those big name blue blood national programs uh, tend to get more attention when they're on the bubble than say, you know, uh, New Mexico or, uh, uh, you know, Texas A&M from last year. Uh, Those kinds of teams aren't the ones that, that casual fans who may not know anything about Kentucky season wake up in the beginning of March and go, Kentucky's not in the tournament? Like, this is nuts. Uh, they were a one seed at the start of the year. So uh, uh, still a lot of games to be played. Everybody has roughly six regular season games to go, plus their conference tournaments, at least in the major conferences. And uh, all I'll say is history tells us that at this point, more teams are playing their way out than in. And, and, and that, you know, that's my fear for Kentucky. And Arkansas, to be honest, uh, if, if they were to stumble again at home. And that's why you have to give it up for a team like Mississippi State, uh, because they're, they're swimming upstream here. You know, a week or 10 days ago, they weren't in even either of our two uh, next bubble groups. So they were more than eight spots out of the field. But uh, you win a road game against a, a, a likely tournament team, and that is gold at this time of the year. Joe, speaking of Texas A&M, I, I see that uh, in your latest bracketology, you have them as one of the last four teams in, and uh, I think that it's always a little curious because people see, oh man, they're eighteen and seven, but they're ten and two in conference play. They've had a couple good wins there. How are they not more solid, solidified there in the in the NCAA tournament? What is it about A&M that uh, maybe is keeping them from being a team that's more solid in? Is it just simply their non-conference schedules, their lack of quality wins? Just uh, when you see their record. And how good it's been, especially in SEC play, what's keeping them from being more solid in there? Well, the Saturday night late update, I think the reason for them being there was I probably made a mistake and didn't have time to fully evaluate them. Uh, they, they, they were just moving into the field at that point. And then, you know, I had all day yesterday and some time today to, to review, you know, when we make those kind of instant judgments, it's like when the bracket first comes out and we have to make picks, but then we get to study it a little bit. A&M will probably be more in the 9-10 range in tomorrow's update, and and that should uh, you know maybe spare me a call from their athletic director. <laughs> now, with the SEC, they're up to uh, seven bids with a couple on the bubble there, so um, they're kind of making Well, game their... one, lose one. Yeah, game there you one, go. Lose and, one. and they're kind of state for Kentucky kind of making their way into uh, the conversation of being one of the better conferences when you look at it top to bottom. Oh, no doubt. Now, I I don't know that at the end of the day uh, they'll have as many bids as uh, the the Big Ten. Now, the Big Ten has an extra team than the SEC, at least at this moment in time. Uh, And, uh, you know, what the Big 12 is doing uh, right now, they have eight pretty solid teams 
because the two at the bottom, Oklahoma and Texas Tech, there's been enough separation to allow the eight front runners to, to, to all, you know, have pretty good profiles. I mean, to get eight bids out of ten is outrageous. And it would also be the highest percentage of teams from a single conference ever to make the field. Joe, I meant to ask you this last week, but we did run out of time, so I'll ask you this uh, here. What are your thoughts on net rankings? Because I, last year I know that Eric Musman was one of the ones of a few coaches that seemed like didn't really make a whole lot of sense, got frustrated by it. And, and this year I haven't heard too many complaints, but just for the way that it was done beforehand to what it is now, what are your thoughts on the net rankings? And do you think that it is a really good formula of putting together the NCAA tournament field? I'm not sure I'd go to really good. Uh, I think to be really good, you need to use a lot of input, both qualitative and quantitative, and that's what the committee tries to do. Uh, You know, any rating system is going to have outliers, right? Like, you know, today on the net, St. Mary's is number six, okay? I and I've seen St. Mary's a bunch of times, and they're really good. They're second weekend good. But they're not the sixth best team in the country, right? Common sense would kind of tell you that. And a good committee member is going to be able to spot the outliers and adjust the seating or selection, if it comes to that, accordingly. Uh, and what I would say to Eric or, or anybody in college basketball is, while it may not be perfect, uh, it's better than the RPI, uh, which it replaced, and, and I suppose that was the immediate goal. Uh, the R, you know, the RPI, seventy-five percent of it had nothing to do with your own winning or losing record. It was the record of your opponents and their opponents. So by definition, it was much more of a measure of who you played than how you did. And, and I think most coaches would prefer to be judged more on wins and losses. And that, at least, is an attempt, an imperfect one, to be sure, but an attempt to measure how you're playing as opposed to who you're playing. And it's less predictable because of that. Uh, and and it, it can't really be manipulated as the RPI was in its later years as people kind of deconstructed the formula and figured out the ins and outs of it with scheduling and, and such. Um, and, and I was, you know, I was one of the people involved in that. I, I, I get it. Uh, so net is better, but it, it shouldn't be, and nor is it in most people's eyes, exclusive. Well, Joe, as always, man, we appreciate you joining us. I know it's a lot of fun every weekend here in college basketball, and every week that goes by, we're getting closer and closer to the NCAA tournament. But we appreciate it. Look forward to catching up with you next Monday. All right, my man? You got just tell them to win their home game. <laughs> well, let them know. We appreciate it, Joe. Yeah, right. Like, they need to hear that from me.